you guys doing today, Magic Family? It's your host, Mark Karaki, bringing you yet another episode of the podcast. This week, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Mr. Wiza Jalakasi, VP of Developer Relations at that unicorn you've heard about, Chipper Cash. Wiza is a longtime friend and somebody who I admire greatly. I describe him as Africa's tech ecosystem connector, good guy, and operator extraordinaire. Uh, he has a stellar background, having founded his first uh, startup in Malawi, doing the same in Kenya, finally joining uh, Africa Stocking uh, before uh, making, working with an international company in a similar role that he is in right now, Hoover, uh, which is a, a company that was looking to scale in Africa. And then uh, in January uh, this year, he joined Chipper Cash. You will hear in this episode about how Wiza positions himself in the ecosystem as somebody who just wants to be helpful and how as a result of that opportunities emerge and this is the kind of mindset that we need more generally uh, across the African ecosystem and specifically uh, in Nairobi. In this particular episode we covered the state of the ecosystem considering Nigeria's current preeminent place as the go-to country for investors, the cultural differences across the top tech hubs uh, on the continent, Nigeria, Kenya and South Africa and how those are influencing the development of uh, these individual hubs. We also delved into what changes need to happen in our beloved Nairobi if we are to unlock uh, the amazing potential that we have here, what are the things that are holding us back to achieving our potential. Essentially, we stayed at a macro level, uh, riffing into specific ecosystem themes throughout this episode. This will be a good one. Uh, Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Chine Magic Podcast. It's uh, it's been a long time coming. Excited to have you on. Uh, where, where are you sitting right now, by the way? Yeah, I am uh, sitting in Nairobi, Kenya. I just, actually just got back today from Johannesburg, so I'm a little bit groggy, but uh, I managed to sleep the past few hours, so I'm feeling more in the hip. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, man, you are definitely Africa's eco- tech ecosystem globe. You can't say globetrotter when you're talking about Africa, but I'll go ahead and say that. You you get around on this continent, man. Yeah, I mean, um, I think there's like important countries to pay attention to. Um, Kenya is definitely one of them. South Africa is another. Nigeria, Egypt are all like uh, places that I think you have to uh, really have a presence um, as an individual if you want to like learn about what's happening on the continent. So, yeah, that's where that comes from. <laughs> And, and, you know, maybe we just dive into your background here, Wizard, so, so people can get a sense of, you know, how you've ended up where you are right now as uh, VP of Developer Relations uh, Global at Chipper Cash. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, exciting to see an African startup that's, uh, that's uh, got a, such a role, like a, a, like a global DevRel role is, is probably one of the first for an African startup, would you say? Um, yeah, I think there are, um, there are some companies that have the function, uh, but like maybe they don't have like an explicit title around it. So yeah, um, it's definitely new. There's a few other developer relations people that I know. Um, uh, perhaps many African companies don't have, uh, quite as yet a wide reach, um, as cheaper intends to have. That's why their, their roles may not be global, but I think it's a trend that's uh, developing more concretely. So companies like Paystack, Flutterwave, um, definitely uh, are along, uh, coming along in that trend. Yeah, and they're definitely pioneers in terms of these 
I would almost call them different differentiated type of hardcore tech, pure play tech companies, if you will, right? Yeah. Where yeah. Uh, tech is a product, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so yeah, so so um, why don't we start with that, that, and then we kind of dive into your background in terms of how you got there. But um, how did you end up at Chipper Cash? What's the story there? Okay. So uh, I discovered Chipper in mid uh, 2019, uh, if I recall correctly. Um, and the context there was that, um, I was at Africa's talking then and Africa's talking is a startup providing, um, telecommunications infrastructure to many of the startups that are operating on the continent today. Um, and, you know, in my role, I was taking up, looking after international expansion uh, and business development across the group. Um, and, you know, I used to do a lot of digging into the data to figure out like what sort of interesting uh, activities and what sort of interesting companies are, are coming up um, in the space. So, you know, a certain time I had realized that there was an interesting trend with a payments company called Bionic that was doing really, really well um, in terms of their payments volume. They were growing over 100% month on month at the time. Um, and I was like mm -hmm. digging into their traffic to understand like, okay, what's making them grow so fast. And the bulk majority of the transactions that were coming in were from this like app called Chipper Cash. And I was like, okay, what is Chipper Cash? Mm -hmm. And like do some research and find out. So then I downloaded mm -hmm. the app. Um, I was able to onboard myself relatively quickly. Um, and then after like having that first user experience, I, I, I immediately formed uh, an opinion to say like, hey, this is definitely one of the more um refined um payments experiences for consumer on the content so i wrote a mm -hmm. review like a mini review um on twitter about it i was just like hey guys check out this cheaper app i think they're, they're onto something because they make this process of signing up and getting on board it's so easy and so painless and like very few companies have been able to do that um it runs on top of Bionic, so it's like purely african infrastructure it's like really really an exciting story because the cheaper founders at the time i think they just um, finalized their initial seed raise from Joe Montana and, and other American uh, investors. So it was just a nice story and I wrote about it um, and I tagged the founder saying like, hey, you guys are onto something really cool. Like, mm -hmm. if you need help, like, let's do this thing. Like, let's take it to Zambia. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I was okay. really bullish on Zambia. I still am. And, you know, I can speak about that later. Um, Zambia is exciting right now with a new, with a new uh, political outcome. So that's exciting. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but even before that, like, it was just like a very progressive um, environment um, mm -hmm. for, for financial services, in my view. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, the, the founders reached out and had like uh, a couple of conversations just about like their vision. And I was really, really excited by like what they're trying to do uh, and where they're trying to go. And like, I immediately wanted to be uh, helpful. So they initially wanted to structure an arrangement in which like... Um, uh, I would essentially be like immediately employed by Chipper, but like it wasn't uh, possible at the time um, because I just like started a, a new um, gig at Hover where I worked for 18 months. And, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I am the type of person who uh, I take my commitments to founders very seriously, having been a founder myself. So right. uh, I felt it would have been very wrong to, to just like jump ship because of something that's new and exciting that I've just seen uh, yeah. on the internet, right? So <laughs> that, that, was the, that was the rationale there. Um, but mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, I also was very curious about the work um, that we were, we were doing at Hover. We were managing to do quite a number of interesting things with USSD infrastructure. And like, I was really, really excited about that at the time. So I sort of like, just like, you know, um, opted to stay on in an informal capacity 
uh, and offer what little guidance and counsel and introductions um, I can on an ad hoc basis. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, that is that is sort of how I started to develop, develop a relationship with the founders. Um, and you know, at some point I realized that like, yeah, I need to start thinking about like what's next uh, post pandemic. Uh, yeah, just like life changes, priority changes. Okay, it was it was an appropriate time for a career uh, a career change. So had a very brief conversation with them to figure out like, okay, what's on the roadmap. That time they had like grown exponentially and done um, several additional like rounds of funding. So it was like, okay, super, super exciting times. Um, I'm somebody who has got a lot of experience in selling software to software developers. Um, and they were building out a product at the time. So it just seemed like, a, you know, an ideal fit to say like, Hey, you guys are about to um, double down on an API opportunity. Do you need an API salesperson? <laughs> Um, and that was the right. API salesperson. So, yeah, that's that's sort of like how that uh, came into being. And then, yeah, we just we yeah. just like grew the really agreed on some some terms and started an engagement. That's that's exciting. So, how long have you been there right now? Uh, so I started at January of this year, twenty twenty one. Um, so I'm coming up on my ninth month, right? Um, but you know, but I consider yeah. myself like a, a part of a cheaper family. Um. Uh, having been involved in, you know, informally, but just like having really been closely following um, and having regular conversations with the founders, I consider myself a member of the Chipper family since 2019, definitely. And then, you know, I've been an also avid supporter of the, awesome. what they're that's, doing. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's an, it's a, I mean, that's a very organic way to, 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 you know, land your next opportunity. Uh, kudos to you. And it speaks to who you are, right? You're the, how I describe it, man, is like, you know, Africa-focused, uh, cross-border. Uh, let me tell you how I say it. I actually say you are the Africa ecosystem all-round connector good guy, right? That's how I, that's how, that's how I describe you, man, because, you know, you're always out there, you know, making connections, conferences, you know, and, and it, it it's clearly paid off, right? I mean... And, you know, from the first time I met you, and I'd heard about you before even we met, um, just, yep. you know, through the Twitterverse and, 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 and uh, ecosystem. And, yep. you know, meeting you was actually really cool because you are one of those guys who embodies this, you know, helpfulness that is not always uh, readily available, right? It's particularly, yeah. I'll, speak, I'll speak for the Kenyan kind of Nairobi market if you will in terms of the tech ecosystem right uh yeah. if people do, if people people are not just gonna you know say something nice about your startup online and say this is cool i mean that's just unusual and the question to, to you is that where did that come from where does that come from yeah i don't know like hey i think it's just like part of it is just my personality and then another part is like just a fundamental understanding of how like ecosystems come into being right. um i think like you know uh, Nigeria has a very mature ecosystem in this sense, in the sense that like you can go to Lagos and like meet in in two weeks, meet like all of the people that you need to meet in X or Y industry, um, whatever fintech vertical or whatever startup vertical that is, be it fintech, insurtech, health tech, anything. You can like meet and get to know everybody in a very short period of time because the ecosystem is very uh cohesive and closely coupled and people understand that like um success is layered on top of uh the success of others and i, I mm. haven't to be honest i haven't really seen that to some extent in nairobi i think nairobi is still sort of like 
you know, lone ranger, winner take all sort of mentality. So people are not like um, as open as they could be uh, mm -hmm. in terms of just like sharing information and having like an abundance mindset. I think right. it's a function of like where the ecosystem is in terms of like maturity. I think it's still very young. Um, so that like influences people to not really see the bigger picture sometimes but i think it's going to change with time and like people's hearts are definitely in the right places and more often than not these days um within nairobi's ecosystem you see the type of like cohesive progressive action ecosystem action coordinated action which leads to uh positive outcomes for the ecosystem as a whole so you know i think it's 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 a journey we're getting there um we might not get there now but like uh, all in all, we're we're heading in the right direction in my view, as an ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, in Nairobi, and as a maybe we can just call it even as a hub, which is part of the bigger African tech ecosystem, or however you want yeah. to characterize that. And that yeah. is such an important element. You know, you can say it's chicken or egg. It's like okay, Nigeria is more mature, but is it is it that they are that way, more collaborative and open because they are more mature, or is yeah. there something more deeper rooted uh, than just being a mature ecosystem? Because what comes first, right? Mm. Do you, are you more collaborative than you become mature or do you become mature than more collaborative and more open? Um, I think about this a lot because it's very obvious that mm. they are right now, Nigeria, Lagos, Abuja, they are the yeah. high watermark across the, the African ecosystem in terms of attention from investors, I guess, quality yeah. and volume of companies that are coming out of there. Uh, obviously, yeah. present uh, company excluded because you guys are interestingly located in San Francisco, which we will talk about here. Yep. But um, at least as far as your headquarters is concerned, I think about this a lot, right? So if you think about cultural differences, the underlying yep. culture of a place, you know, accepting the ecosystem and all that stuff and the hub and the tech and all that stuff, you know, yep. how would, could you in some way, shape or form, are you able to articulate what you think the underlying cultural differences are at all? Do you have any visibility into that or any opinion or perspective? What makes Nigerian culture maybe different than Kenyan and South African? So maybe first of all, if you could just describe what those differences might be in your view across mm -hmm. those three and maybe mm -hmm. how they impact how the ecosystem evolves or, or, mm -hmm. or you know, the, the pace at which they're evolving. I'm, I'm very curious about that. Yeah, I mean, I think cultural factors play a role. Uh, it's difficult for one to really honestly quantify to what extent uh, reasonably, in my view. Um, I think, like, you know, Nigerians have a, a, a certain level of confidence, um, which um, I don't see in many other African societies. I think, I think there's, there's, like, several elements to it, and it's difficult to, to quantify um, reasonably, in my view, to what extent, like, um, culture plays a, a role. But I do know that, like, um, Nigerians, I feel, have, like, uh, more confidence, um, and that, like, subsequently leads to development of more pronounced personalities uh, in a way. And I think because of that, like, you know, macro characteristic that Nigerians share, it's definitely made it a lot easier for them to approach foreign investors because a lot of the, the, the these generation of technology companies have been funded by foreign capital. Different people have different views as to whether that's a good or a bad thing. I, you know, I'm indifferent as long as we are making progress. So that's, that's, that's my view. And I think like Nigerians' confidence contributes greatly to that. Another element is also like, you know, proximity to incumbent industries and how those incumbent industries are structured. So like in, in South mm -hmm. Africa, 
it's not so much that like people are a certain way, uh, but then there's a lot of like industrial development that um, has taken place in South Africa that didn't take place in many uh, Sub-Saharan African countries. Um, and as a result, I think there's just like an availability uh, of risk capital uh, models that like might not be as pronounced in other African uh, countries. So, you know, so there's, Africa, local, so there's Africa, local capital in South Africa. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I think there's local capital. It's, it's still difficult to access, uh, partly because of South Africa's interesting history. Uh, mm -hmm. But like at least those capital structures are there. And uh, now in, in, in Kenya, for example, um, I don't think local capital structures for startups, for tech startups are where they need to be. So there's like, you know, there's money, but people want to invest in traditional industries. I see like a lot of real estate in Nairobi, like, you know, my apartment in Kilareshwa, I've never had a neighbor uh, on my floor. There's two units every floor, right? But like, there's a whole building that came up next to our building that has like, <laughs> I've, I've seen like from inception to being completed <laughs> and that building is still not full. And then there's like two more buildings being built down the road. And it's just like, okay, I think people have like a very specific view on what constitutes a reasonable investment. And, you know, you can't uh, blame them for that. That's like a function of what they know and what they're familiar with. So like when we start to see like, you know, significant exits from Kenyan startups, I think that's going to start to catalyze people to start to view startups as a viable opportunity. And then some of this uh, money that's available for these under indus other industries might start to uh, find its way down to tech startups. So like, you know, culture is definitely a part of it, but like it's, it's difficult to tie it down to any one specific thing. Let, let, let's touch on that. I mean, you bring up a very important point about examples of success. Now, yeah. <laughs> again, it's this chicken and egg scenario because in the last maybe 12 to 18 months, uh, we had, I would call them a couple of local exits that nobody knows about. Yeah. If you're not in the if you're not in the in the in the in the ecosystem in the tech ecosystem, right? And the people yeah. in the tech ecosystem, it doesn't matter whether they know it or not, because they're not the ones with the the bags of money, if you will. So in Nairobi specifically, I'm talking about. So we had yeah. we had Sendwave, which was founded here, right? Maybe mm -hmm. you know, right? And then we had DPO, right? Mm. Two hundred and seventy-eight million dollar exit for for DPO, half a yep. billion dollars for 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 Sendwave. Um, yep. But no, so. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, if you contrast that with, with, with Nigeria, right? Mm. They had Paystack acquired by, yep. by uh, one of these guys called Stripe, right? Stripe, and yeah. then on the heels of that, they had Flutterway becoming a unicorn, right? But you see, the, those things were big news in the, across the ecosystem. You yep. never, you, like Sandwave and DPO, barely a whisper. Yeah. Right? So... It's this interesting dynamic, like in the same almost uh, 12 month period, those two things happen. And yeah. how, how do you, I, I guess it's one of those things where you're like, man, is it a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? In terms of, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I look at that and I'm just like, man, when those two things happen, when, the, when that dichotomy happened, I knew, man, Nigeria is out of here, man, because they got the validation, even the money that's, even the old money is like now interested in tech. And then I'll ask you, have you gotten any sense if that's happening? I'm sure it is. You know, uh, mm -hmm. the folks who are initially maybe thinking, oh, these young people are just playing with these, you know, um, technology, but it's not going anywhere. All of a sudden mm -hmm. now they're paying, they paying attention in Nigeria, I'm sure, right? Uh, and yeah. it's funding into the space, right? Yeah, I think, I think Nigeria has done like a really good job of uh, managing PR, right? Big time, um, big time. Yeah, yeah. and mm -hmm. I don't think 
like East Africa as an ecosystem as a whole has been able to do that very well. So they're not able to get, I think, foreign investors excited. I mean, like it's only now that like local Nigerian investors over the past like year or two are like starting to write like really significant checks, uh, especially mm-hmm. like other founders. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, all of these, um, I've seen like some of the companies that you mentioned have definitely been started uh, in Kenya as an example, right? But then um, where are the founders based and like where are those founders roots, right? Because then exactly. they, they also exactly. have their homes, right? So right. it's uh, it's difficult for, for, for their upside to translate into something meaningful for our ecosystem at times because of that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the yeah. PR and the, and, the, and, the, and the narrative, right? And all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah I mean, all those exits, the money sitting in foreign <laughs> uh, bank accounts uh, or is in, in foreign capital markets, if you will. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just very interesting to observe how the ecosystem is playing out. I mean, we have right now have to say that Nigeria is the hottest market and maybe Lagos is the hottest city uh, yep. in terms of the African uh, ecosystem right now. All right. In terms of yeah. tech startups. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, there's a lot of activity in Nairobi. There's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. happening as well. Uh, you're seeing a lot of things that are. There is a Cambrian explosion that is just starting to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have anything interesting you 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 can you've seen happening. Any any startups that you, you you've seen that you want to talk about, or in general the activity, or any kind of indicators that uh, that there's some momentum just rumbling beneath our feet here in Nairobi. Yeah, so that's the thing, hey, like um, a lot of the innovation that I pay attention to uh, is in fintech, right? And mm-hmm. fintech in Kenya is actually very slow moving because it's so advanced. So like M-Pesa came in and like put in a lot of the rails for instant payments, larger payments, access to credit, uh, facilitates a lot of local e-commerce, etc. Mm-hmm. So like I don't think I've seen a lot of uh, innovation happen on top of that. Right. I, I do see some interesting plays uh, in, in healthcare. Uh, one of the companies I, I like to talk about most is, is a company called Tibu. They do healthcare on demand. There's a lot of stuff happening in the on-demand economy, which is great. And yeah, that's been interesting to see. But you know, I, I think I haven't really been paying as much attention this year. I've really been uh, focused on other markets and I've spent a lot of my time this year in South Africa. So, you know, not, not a lot that I can say. But maybe you've seen some interesting things, and then I can uh, interrogate those ones further. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I've I've been heads down. What I'm seeing a lot of is 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 uh, fintech uh, plays. Uh, we have yeah. a couple of projects that we're working on in the space, so I'm, I'm not I'm not going to <laughs> to to, me- to mention them. But um, there's there's some there's some stuff happening. People actually uh, people who traditionally wouldn't have been founders are becoming founders. I'm seeing that, yeah. um, and that, and that's that's interesting. And let's let's maybe segue into that and say, you know, in terms of the quality of founders, uh, quality of let's talk about three things, you know, quality of of, yeah. of uh, founders and quality of companies. Yeah. If you yeah. kind of can juxtapose between what you're seeing in Nigeria in terms of quality of founder, but then quality of co- company being founded versus yeah. versus Nairobi, and I know you haven't been your eyes on the ground, but you've you've lived here. How would you contrast yeah. those two things? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just like practical experience with regards to what it actually takes to build a technology venture. And I think a lot of the founders in Nairobi are like, you know, first time founders who might not have like done 
built a business uh, before or been involved uh, in a company or worked formally for a number of years. And I think that like that lack of maturity uh, tends to show uh, with regards, especially to like fundraising and hiring conversations. I think there's typically a mismatch of expectations between uh, those types of founders and the types of people that they are trying to either access uh, either for capital or for like human resources. So the, I, I do sense that there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Yeah, that's the main thing that I would say like really, really stands out. But apart from that, I wouldn't say there's a lot that's different. I, I really do think like it's just a function of like, okay, where are you in an ecosystem cycle and where you are mostly is a function of capital. There's other things that play into it, but like the, the capital really plays an important role because that's what allows people to fail and iterate towards success. And mm-hmm. I think like that's where... um I think like those structures are the ones that we need to like focus on uh, in Nairobi's ecosystem more so than anything else. Skills development um, would certainly be great and useful, but then it's also like a natural outcome of there being an enabling environment for people to try things. So those people try things and then get people on board and those people become more skilled over time. Um, And I think like that's where um, the flywheel really starts to spin. So yeah, I think... I think maybe t- with time, some of these things will unravel themselves more clearly. Uh, but definitely that lack of experience, I think, is a contributing factor to how slowly things are moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I had an opportunity to speak with Sim Shigaya uh, of ULesson um, yep. early this week and met him for the first time. And, I mean, this guy just oozes confidence and that polish. And yeah. that you would expect from a, a you know somebody who's going to build something globally dominant. And mm-hmm. to your point, I mean, I would you're hard pressed to see to find too many local founders here in, in yeah. Nairobi who would who would stand toe to toe with him. We have them, but you know the way he was, you know, he just talks the way he thinks about building his company. You know, he's, yeah. he's raising money and his his round is oversubscribed. But- you know? Sim is like a, you know, he's like a third or fourth time founder now. Exactly. Who previously exactly. built like e-commerce in Nigeria, right? And that, that experiment shows. Right. No, no, no. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like your, your, your point is exactly right. This is his fourth or, or, or fifth company and it's just like uh, riding a bicycle. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so look, what's the state of the ecosystem right now across the board? If you could generalize. I mean, we've never been where we are in Africa's ecosystem as we are right now. I mean, how would you define you know, define it, compare in a, from a comparative, with a comparative lens, right? We were here before, here's where we are now, here's where we are going. And these are the things that are different right now. Um, okay, so I think, you know, it's still very early days for the ecosystem, the Africa ecosystem as a whole. I think it's still, it's still super, super early. Um, where we are now is that I think we, we, have, we have started the development of the flywheel so the flywheel that, you know, churns out like really interesting companies um, and then those companies churn out like really interesting talent and that talent goes on to typically found other companies and then like that, that flywheel continues. But it's like still very, very early because a lot of the fundamental infrastructure problems are, are not like solved to, to a very um, satisfactory level for most of the continent. So even basic things like electricity, uh, access to water, those are still like challenges that... Um, are still pretty prevalent on the continent today. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's kind of like where we are in terms of like, okay, let's deal with the base problems first. 
at the same time, um, we live in a world where we're competing with global talent that is like working on like, you know, some of the most sophisticated problems of our time. So like blockchain, mm-hmm. AI, mm-hmm. gene mm-hmm. editing, all of, all of these things are like happening at the same time. So you've got this interesting mix where you have startups that are working on like basic challenges, like, you know, pay as you go solar is a massive industry. Right. But then also in Nigeria, for example, even in Kenya, peer-to-peer cryptocurrency is a massive industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and you like both of these things are happening at the same time. So I think like in other parts of the world, it has been able to happen sequentially because like technology has been able to progress from like, you know, um, legacy to new structures. And like that has happened in a relatively linear way. So it's been easy to sort of like measure where exactly an ecosystem is because you can com- you can have a, a reasonable basis of comparison as to where things are coming from. But now in our case, like you've got that like legacy infrastructure being left behind, but then also like leapfrogging new infrastructure and then right. also like new things, entirely new things that are being built from scratch uh, from the ground up. And when you look at it from that perspective, from those three pillars, it's like, okay, this is like a massive, uh, opportunity uh, and you know it's a massive continent massive population that's only growing like this is only very much the start right um now that being said mm-hmm. i do think like we have started to like show the initial signs of being like a viable investment destination which i think is like, very important so like there's very striking parallels between where africa is as an ecosystem today and where um uh, Southeast Asia was uh, as an ecosystem circa 2015, 2016. Actually, when you look at some of the numbers in terms of like their venture uh, investments, like they're relatively comparable to where we are now. So that's like a great indicator. Um, we still have so much work to to do because like we have sold Africa as like a singular um, <laughs> homogenous place, right. like a monolith almost, right? But then mm-hmm. the actual reality is that, you know, you've got like 55 different jurisdictions now. It's the um, ultimate vulcanized have... continent, right? I mean... Yeah. It is like so much work. And in order to make the continent feel like one from a technology perspective, uh, it's going to take a lot of time and effort. I don't know if we're going to be able to even do it in, a, in, in, in our generation's lifetime. I think it's going to take a lot of time and effort in order to um, harmonize policies, laws, regulations, etc., such mm-hmm. that like startups mm-hmm. can scale easily. Right now, startups can scale, but like it is a, a bone-breaking, uh, painful process mm-hmm. that they have to go mm-hmm. through uh, mm-hmm. all could of the describe, time. So, could you describe some of those, how that actually shows up, right? When you say bone-breaking, uh, for the audience, just to get a sense of what it takes to scale from country to country in your experience. Yeah, it's just like, you know, every country is 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 vastly different from a regulatory point of view. So like if you're in a regulated space, the license that you get in X country is not the same license that you need to get in Y country. And the process for applying for that is very different. And the right. structure that you need to have is very different. In some countries, you're required to have like a local uh, director and shareholder who is a resident. So you need to like find somebody you can trust who's going to be like a part of that. In in some markets like you know like Ethiopia, one of the the most attractive ones because of its massive population and also how early it is in uh, from a technology development perspective, there are like special laws around like what foreigners can and cannot do, right. and these like <laughs> investment commissions, and you have to go through the investment commission and invest capital up front. So it's a cumbersome process, and you need to set up like um, structures for each country that are like specifically unique to that country. 
mm-hmm. um, and then like manage it from there, and like that makes things a lot easier. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just takes time. It takes a lot of time. Like you know, compared to like Europe, right? You get a, for example, you get a an electronic money uh, issuance license um, for the eurozone, and like boom, <laughs> you're in like several countries. Right. Uh, you, there's no such thing that exists for the African continent. Hiring, moving talent across borders is, is an absolute nightmare because every country has got its own like uh, work permit uh, regulations and some countries require to like uh, incorporate and have a certain level of investment. It is just uh, quite challenging uh, to navigate. Uh, yeah. It is really quite challenging to navigate. And, so, and you guys are kind of like... Uh canonical example of the type of company that would face these challenges because you're trying to your play is cross-border uh, money transfer right and so yeah. at the same time it's interesting because you're an over-the-air solution but at the end of the day yeah. people on the ground need to use it so do you guys have to go through what you're describing across every single market in terms of establishing your structures yeah. and and presence and all that it's unfortunately that is the case like there's just no way around it it's it is just uh incredibly we we try to make it look like magic for our users but like in the background we are like running around and doing all of these different things so that that right. is that is literally what we're going through right right and that's what far away yeah. like to do as as well right i mean it's almost yeah but in a sense it's almost a moat it's it's actually a moat if you can actually get over that hurdle right it's yeah, very it difficult is. for for other folks to kind of follow suit yeah it is, it is a mode and, you know, I think that's what part, part of what makes the opportunity so attractive because it also gives, it, it makes it more exciting potentially for like foreign companies that are thinking about the African continent. They know that they're going to face this problem, right? So it's, it, is, it just is what it is. Um, and from their perspective, it would be potentially easier to just like, you know, partner with or acquire a local player so as to not um, have to go through that hassle. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, from that point of view, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, I think it's an advantage that the way that the ecosystem is structured today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to he who can raise the capital, go the spoils. Uh, I think that's, basically, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's basically the differentiator here. Um, and so let's, let's kind of wrap it up here. Um, yeah. you know, would love to kind of, uh, for the audience to to get a parting shot from you in terms of, you know, how can somebody position themselves? How should we position ourselves in, in our ecosystems, right? In terms of, uh, uh, and, and when I say this, I'm really kind of focusing more in, in Nairobi. How should we think about the times in which we live right now? And as individual uh, players, uh, what do they mean for us? And how should we show up in them? Right? And I'm, I'm looking to you as a, as a, as a blueprint for, for how folks can do that and how should they should be thinking about their professions and their, I guess, stakeholder, stakeholder-ness in the, in, the, in the ecosystem. The biggest thing is just understanding that like the ecosystem is like way bigger than Nairobi. Um, and, you know, there's an interesting psychology that comes with like managing uh, how you, you comprehend the types of numbers that we deal with in technology as an industry. So like when, when right. capital started coming into the ecosystem in Nairobi, I think it was like really exciting to see, you know, the likes of um, Mcopa, the likes of Africa Stalking, raising hundreds, raising dozens of millions of dollars. And you think like, wow, that is such a massive amount of money. And it's only happening in Nairobi. And like, I think people are like start to, you know, lose focus and start to think about like, okay, now that there's 
X amount of capital in the ecosystem, like what does that mean for me uh, as an operator in, in, in the ecosystem? What type of like opportunities would I get access to? What type of job can I get? What type of company can I found? And I think a lot of founders are still like, uh, not just founders, but like just individuals in the ecosystem are still centered around this conversation. And unfortunately, we sort of find ourselves like fighting over the crumbs um, mm-hmm. when we can just like build a much bigger cake by aligning each other's uh, aligning our interests with each other because ultimately we're all trying to like fight for the same thing but like i don't see the type of like uh ecosystem togetherness that like exists in an ecosystem like in lagos or in cape town where people just get together and do things for the sake of where people are very um generous with information and introductions um like i think like the expat community in nairobi has that but like kenyan founders i'm not seeing maybe i'm also malawian so i could be excluded from some of these conversations right but no, like no, I, just, I can i can tell you you're not because or maybe <laughs> maybe maybe i'm maybe i'm also excluded who knows right <laughs> maybe it's yeah. something that affects both of us uh-huh. go ahead yeah so it's, it's like i don't see um i don't see it i just don't see that level of like cohesive um ecosystem action and coordination and then also, like, you know, I don't think there's enough people speaking uh, on our behalf, quote unquote, uh, with regards to Kenya's ecosystem, especially like uh, when, when we're not in the room, like who who is like advocating for us vis-a-vis like opportunities in other uh, emerging markets globally, because we're not just competing with like Africa, we're competing with uh, Southeast Asia, we're competing with Latin America. Um, and those are like realities of uh, the ecosystem in which we live today. So I think those are the areas that I think people need to like focus on and really understand the vastness of the opportunity and how early things still are. Um, there's so much that needs to be done. There's so much um, that needs to be brought into a digitally native space. And it's going to take like dozens of years for, for the continent to get to where it needs to be technologically, uh, to be globally competitive and globally relevant. Um, and it's a, it's a long game that we're all playing uh, together. and we're not competing at this point. I think there's a lot of talk about competition, but like, I don't think we're really competing with anything except like legacy infrastructure and non-consumption. There's a fantastic book called The um, Prosperity Paradox uh, by, I want to pronounce his name correctly, um, Clayton Christensen and mm. um, Efosa Ojomo. Uh, yeah. Business at, uh, yeah. was it Harvard or MIT? Harvard, I believe, HBS. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like they, a couple of years ago. Yeah, quite unfortunate. But like, you know, um, they discussed this, like how like market creating innovations um, come to life. And like in Africa, so many things are like market creating innovations have the opportunity to be market creating on innovations. But like when people are too centered on specific verticals and like specific signals associated to them, it starts to feel very quickly like all of the problems have been solved. Um, right. and, and people right. get into a competitive rather than a collaborative mindset, which just ultimately slows everything down. So um, it is like painful, but uh, you know it is what it is. <laughs> I think over time people start to see things. You know, I I I went from being in that like sort of like old uh, mind state to like a a newer mind state like very gradually and having after having been like exposed to um mm-hmm. specific mm-hmm. things that are happening is like okay wow okay like this thing is massive this opportunity is like incredibly huge and 
if we don't work together, there's no way we're going to even be able there's to no capture way. a small iota yeah. of it, right? But like, you know, for someone to, there's a natural progression, I think, that you have to go through as a person to get to that conclusion. Uh, and it's very difficult for someone's like external words or influence to tell you otherwise. It's something that you have to like experience and like experience. see, mm-hmm. yeah, like, oh, mm-hmm. oh snap. Like, you know, you, know, you spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in the valley um and you decided to come back home after the fact after seeing that like oh wow the world is big and like there's like so much opportunity and you know billions of dollars available to people who want to pursue uh, these types of opportunities and even more value can be created from that mm-hmm. but that like that was a process that you had to go through right so uh mm-hmm. i don't know how to accelerate that process for many of us here uh but like that's certainly what could happen that would like enable us to move things up a notch quite quickly. Man, dude, um, I couldn't have said it better myself, Wiza. I mean, so for me, uh, what what made me kind of make the move uh, or, yeah. was clearly that the opportunity is bigger, the pie is massive. We are very early days, and so yeah. I was like, "Holy cow! I'm I'm just gonna jump," and I'm sure there's a, there's a huge net <laughs> somehow. Yeah. You know, everything is pointing up and to the right, and we will, we will, you know, land on my feet and figure things out. And I came with that uh, attitude that I learned in Silicon Valley, that mindset of embracing everybody and being open. And uh, you know, I was quite shocked to find um, a different reality, right? Uh, a right sizing, if you will. And you know, I grew up in, yeah. in in Nairobi, so I knew some of the underlying kind of uh, cultural things. So it wasn't too, a significant shock. The only thing that was shocking was it was also it, it was also part of the tech industry, which I didn't expect. I, I assumed yeah. everybody in tech around the world was open, collaborative, helpful as they are in the valley, but uh, it wasn't the truth for everybody in the ecosystem. So that that was what took me a little bit aback. But I quickly kind of, I guess I just said, okay, it's not true, but you can still work with who's available, people like yourself, you know, uh, other amazing people in the ecosystem who have been amazing, and. You know, to your point, it's starting to change. It's very exciting to to actually note that I think there's a thawing of that mindset, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. if I can be honest with you, um, because people are starting to see like, oh, my God, I mean, the reality is I can't do this on my own. It's better if we collaborate and we, we hold hands and we see the pie as uh, something that we can expand as opposed yeah. to something that we, we, we need to slice uh, amongst our, uh, ourselves. So. Yeah, dude, like, look, I, I've enjoyed talking to you. I, I know there's so much we can cover. I would love to maybe make this maybe a biannual, a biannual conversation because things are moving so yeah. fast. Um, yeah, or maybe we can, like, talk about specific topics and then that might yeah. be, like, you know, get more, um, derive yeah, more yeah. value for your listeners. I think that would be easier. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But anyway, listen, it's, it's been good to connect. Uh, I, w- I will definitely make a point of we can collaborate and figure out what topics we should focus on uh, for our next conversation. Yeah. yeah, that sounds great.